Alright guys, question for today is real simple because I suck at making questions. Do you guys feel like there are maybe too many like horror comedies or too many anthology type like horror movies? No. Okay. <laughs> not at all? Not even a little I don't bit. think there's enough, honestly. What do you fucking mean, Chief? I think there's certainly not enough good ones. That's more kind of what I'm going for, because like, yeah, but Cheech, you have to understand that when you're talking about literally any genre, you're gonna have way fucking more bad movies than you are good ones. Seventy percent of everything is terrible. I mean, honestly, especially in horror, that's like an even further exception because so much bad horror is out there, and it's so cheap to make. Right. You look at the good horror comedies or the good horror anthologies, and they really, really fucking stick out. Like Creep Show or Shaun of the Dead, mm-hmm. and like, so why would you want less of them? So just for a chance to have something that good, you know? Yeah, I mean, when you see a really good one, it's like, man, I could use a dozen more of these. And then you go looking for a dozen, it's like, man, these are fucking terrible. Why did they even bother? <laughs> Almost like all movies. <laughs> <laughs> are all anthologies horror? Uh, yeah. I've seen a a couple of sci-fi anthologies. Is it is it disproportionately horror? Am disproportionately, I just yes. <laughs> That's weird. Let's talk about that instead, because I don't understand Cheech's question. Like, why the fuck would you ever, like, oh no, there's too many movies. I guess I just won't watch them. In- well, no, I mean, it's like the, the kind of question I think of is just like... I think the real question here, Cheech, sorry to interrupt you, but <laughs> do you feel like there are more... Too many horror anthologies. <laughs> nah, I thought just too many bad ones. I just wanted to discuss it, man. I'm it's, fucking done. It's a discussion with y'all. Oh, I mean, yeah, that's the okay. point of the question, right? So, is okay. like to discuss like certain things because the thing is like there's a lot of crap anthologies. Yeah. Yes. But then, like you said, the the ones that that are there is like really good. But it's more like, do you think people should like I don't know try to scale back on on trying to catch that lightning in a bottle for like. Mm horror comedy and kind of anthology stuff, or do you just think, yeah, fuck it, keep going? I am 100% for it, and I'll tell you why. I think swing for the fucking fences. Exactly. I'm just going to build on what I'm guessing Philip is going to go for here. Most horror anthologies, unless, like, done by the big guys, like, just mm-hmm. say Creepshow, for instance. That's obviously George Romero and Stephen King. Yeah. But most horror anthologies are a collection of different directors, collection mm-hmm. of different writers, that get a chance to follow their dream, put a small percentage of what they could do a into the movie. Yeah, you know, they don't have to spend as much money. They they're partnering with other people, you know, they don't have to work on the framework. You know, it's it's just something where they can input their art, essentially. Mm-hmm. And I'm all for that. Like fuck it. If that's the only way they can get out. Especially with within the last uh, ten to fifteen years, a lot of people have been able to uh, use the internet it's like, hey, I've got a short film and then they lump it in with a bunch of other short short films or you know they Manage the entire idea via the internet and then, you know, shit it all together. <laughs> shit it together. I watched a, a horror anthology the other day, the the Mortuary Collection one right. on Shudder. It's really fucking good, by the way. It's got Clancy Brown as like the kind of crypt keeper type guy right. in it. But anyway, the big story in it was just a short that the director had done five years ago. And he just added three more stories and then used his old short as like... The, the center of the anthology. And sometimes that's like the best way to do it, especially if you're starting small. So I'm, I'm all for it. Crank them out, man. Crank it out. <laughs> I mean, I'll fucking watch anything. You yeah. guys will watch anything. So, I mean, fuck it. It's like shovelware. It doesn't matter how many there are because we could just fucking ignore them. <laughs>
I think you should rephrase that to, we'll watch anything if we're forced to. Because I guarantee, before I picked all the Resident Evil movies, none of us were going to sit down and watch all. D-Hart already had, actually. I was going to say, that's fair for you to say for, like, you and Philip, but I guarantee you that me and D-Hart have watched thousands of movies to where, like, we didn't have to. And we knew <laughs> that they were going to be a fucking piece of shit. That's yeah. why you keep forgetting about good movies now. I mean, whatever. <laughs> It's pretty soon my brain will just be bad movies. For a number of years doing this podcast, I was watching insane amounts of shit. And within the last two years, I watch almost nothing but what we pick. <laughs> <laughs> we broke him. Well, yeah. it's just After a while, you you just hit like a saturation point. It's like, oh, this is like that thing. Yeah. That, <laughs> yep. Diminishing returns. It's yes, like, well. It's diminishing returns. Here we go again. It, again. You have to... It gets harder to find, like, the rare gems. Like, I yep. hadn't seen uh, Brain Damage. Hadn't seen that. But I'd heard of it. It's like, okay, well, eventually when I find it, <laughs> I will watch it. <laughs> and I still think, if, if this question should have definitely been, there's too many movies that have almost the same name as Brain Damage. <laughs> or just, like, how many can we name in, like, five minutes or something like that? Of how many... <laughs> <laughs> yes, because... He just mentions the movie Brain Damage, and I seriously am like, is that the one with with Bill Paxton and Bill Pullman? That's Brain Dead, which is also the name of Dead Alive. <laughs> Motherfucker! <laughs> In every country except for America. I, see? This is my fucking point, dude. There's also Brain Scan as well, right? Well, there's Brain Warp. There's Brain... There's that's the one with uh, Bruce Campbell. No, that's Mind that's Warp. That's Mind Warp. Oh, <laughs> uh, fuck! <laughs> see? Well, this is my point. They're all the fucking same. Before we get started, like, in the actual show cheats, the one thing I will say that has nothing to do with your question is, I think there is a right way and a wrong way to do anthologies, and I think cramming as many fucking stories into an anthology as you can is a bad move. Yeah. It, just like anything, you typically remember the first one or the last one, and the ones in between kind of get jumbled. You know, if you've only mm. got three stories, like, you know, Cat's Eye or fucking body bags or if you have four even five's kind of pushing it a little bit but if you go over five like i don't remember shit about your movie usually Nah, there's a time limit and there's a number of stories and if you go outside of that you're just gonna fuck yourself it's like twitter yes you never stay leave. on the rails you stay on the rails you never go off the rails if you go off the rails you're just fucked that's the internet that's the whole should there maybe be <laughs> should there be a like Horror anthology council of just like a, a shadowy group of like I don't know we'll say three to five people says the this question is fucking dead no <laughs> all right guys welcome to Motion Picture Meltdown I'm one of your hosts Stephen the Rose Rosenberg Phil the hungover Collins <laughs> Cheats the streets McGee Andy Hart and Cheats you picked the films for us as we continue some spooky picks this month I did I picked a couple Shutter exclusives. The first one, or we can do them in any order, uh, is Scare Package from 2019, and then the other one is Scare Me from 2020. Mm -hmm. Though I think Scare Package was also just added to Shudder this year. It was actually just released this year. Okay. It was filmed in 2019, but it didn't get any kind of like exclusive rights or, or distribution release until this year. Okay. They actually, I think, just released the, the hard copy of Scare Package in the last month or so. Gotcha. Yeah, so both of these are Shudder exclusives, and Shudder's kind of kick-ass, so there you go. There's something to kind of go for on this. Shudder has been pumping out great movies this year. Yeah. Really, really strong movies. Slap every day. Which is really good for them. Anyway, well, because of the pandemic and like the mm -hmm. the lack of movies that are coming out in theaters and stuff like that, like they're just like, oh, you can't go watch horror movies in theaters? That's fine. This one will slap your asshole. 
always slap what the assholes like. Yeah, I mean, it's sometimes an asshole just needs mm-hmm. slap. My only complaint about Shudder is PS4 app win. Yeah. I just want to be able to watch it on my couch, dude. Or you could just pay $20 and get an Amazon Fire Stick cheats. Uh, no. <laughs> Okie dokie. It is surprising that that's not a thing. It is, it is. I didn't know that because I just used my Roku TV, I mean, but... Being an add-on to Amazon Prime, can't you watch it through the yes. Prime app? Yeah, you, you can. can. If you do add it through... I will say that the Amazon Prime app is a little bit more expensive, like a dollar more. Yeah. It also does not give you access... Mm. It doesn't give you access to the stuff that is on Shutter, like the live channels yeah. that are on, and actually, you can't even like search a lot of the shit that's on there through the Amazon no, app. It's definitely not worth it, so it's yeah. it's much better to stick with like the normal Shutter app, which, I mean, you just watch it on the Shutter's website, but it's just kind of weird that I can watch Shutter on my phone, but I can't watch it on my PlayStation. I see what you're doing. We're trying to stall for time. <laughs> okay, give it a couple months, cheats. PlayStation 5 is right around the corner. And we'll have no app for that as well. Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) All right, which one do you want to start with, Cheatsy? Let's start with Scare Package, because chronologically it came out first. Okay. So Scare Package is an anthology-type movie, and uh, the synopsis of IMDb is Chad, the owner of Rad Chad's Horror Emporium, recounts a series of bone-chilling, blood-splattered tales to illustrate the rules of the horror genre to his newest employee. Okay, well, I agree with the blood splattering. I don't know about the bone chilling. No, very little bone chill. Unless you're talking about my bone, which was definitely chilled. You just had it out Why is your... in a cold room. <laughs> <laughs> just everything's covered up ex- except just the bone, and you're like, man, I'm real cold right now. Yeah, I have a That's... special blanket where it's just a hole. I don't know why they designed this Snuggie <laughs> like this. I mean, I assume just so you can piss, but... <laughs> the Snuggie equivalent to boxers that don't have a fucking button. <laughs> Where it's like, I could wear these boxers or just not wear anything because my dick is going to be out regardless. And again, if it seems like we're stalling for time, that's because we are. I didn't think we were stalling for time. I think Philip's just naysaying. Mm. Well, could be. We'll have to find out whenever we have jack fucking shit to say. (laughs) The fucking hangover naysaying. Son, I'm just making it real. It's real. Fuck off. It's not bone chilling, but like we said, there is a fucking unreasonable amount of extremely cheap special effects, which I'm all for, but after a point, it's like, so this is just only special effects? Is this what this movie is? Just gore. It's also wonderful jokes. Yeah, so funny. (laughs) Such a good, funny movie. I'm just, I laugh the whole time. I'm just going to point out that these are both uh, somewhat blind picks and that I had added them to uh, my Shredder account. I was like, fuck it, we're going to do these because it is the season. So, if y'all are going to bitch at me, fuck you. No, I mean, we're not... Okay, so, yeah, it doesn't matter. We'll talk about it later. So, movie starts out with uh, Mike and Wendy. Uh, We haven't gotten to the actual uh, movie story yet. And both these people, their job in the established universe within this uh, film is that they are, like, the extras on films. Like, Wendy's always, like... They're like emergency response person or the cop that shows up at the scene or things like that. Well, Mike is the dude who plants like the uh, satanic artifacts in the attic or he's the guy that cuts the power and then like leaves so other people don't catch on to it. Mm -hmm. Which the entire thing just reminds me of just monster interior decorator. Mm -hmm. Just like it's Mike. Mike's doing this. Mm -hmm. Plus uh, a little bit of that, those vibes from, fuck, what was the name of that? I can't remember his name because his name's fucking dumb. The mockumentary about the Michael Myers style. Leslie Vernon. Leslie Vernon. There it is. Can I just take a side note about Monster Interior Decoration, by the way, real quick? 
I was doing some research for the other podcast on United Cipher, the, the Curly Mustache, and it, it, it's relevant to monster uh, interior decorating. That shit is real. Like, there are people out there that pose bodies and shit for shock value of the people that find them. Oh, you mean like actual <laughs> okay. killers? <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. It's not just like, the handyman doesn't do it. <laughs> well, no, I know that. I, I, I just... I thought you were gonna say like that, like you saw it in the credits of a film. You were like, no, oh, no, no. So it was literally someone's job to be the monster interior decorator. Well, I'm sure that's also true. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'm just saying in real life, like there are serial killers that like cut off people's heads and then like put them on shelves to like shock people as they come in the door. To <laughs> so it's like okay, so this is just real. This is happens. <laughs> Yeah, it's real, except for that you're not killing nine people at once while they all run around like rats. True. In those cases, it's like the monster interior decorator would have to be a separate party because the killer is just too busy. <laughs> it just can't be done. They Go just on. get done killing someone, they just look up at the conveniently empty spot on the shelf and just go, Huh! And then just, you know, head goes there. Yeah. They're kind of having a conversation back and forth. It's, it's making jokes about the fact that they are side characters. And in particular, Mike is just like, Man, what would happen if I just stayed in the movie till the end just one time? And so the first kind of skit is kind of going along with that, where we have the two babysitters that, are, of course, are taking care of the, the kid by themselves. Mike has to cut the power. And then, because he just gets slips of papers, just like, hey, go do this thing. And then he just has to kind of watch in the background. He cuts the power. He looks at the house, like, kind of darts around the side. And then he's just like, nah, I'm just going to stay. So, you know, he knocks on the door, they answer. They're immediately suspicious. They're immediately suspicious, well, yeah, which obviously. part of it is like, it is supposed to be silly, of course, but I couldn't decide, like, who is supposed to be overacting more here, whether it's Mike just like, man, so this is what the inside of houses look like. Or the babysitters who are rightfully just like, I don't know who this motherfucker is. Mm-hmm. What are you doing on my property? He's making, like, very sad attempts to do the things that normal killers do in movies. Where he's just, like, having a cover story and, and, like, they're just falling for it. Except for they're just not. Because he sucks at this. This is why he's a psychic. He has the wire clippers sticking out of his pants. Yeah, the ones Like he... a mile. <laughs> they're like, yeah, but it seems like our power's gone. And now you, you're you here with obvious things that kill power. You definitely didn't clip the power, did you? No. No. Mm-hmm. Why, would you, d- d- why would you ask that? The premise of this setup is moronic. I mean... Who's cutting the power in, like, your typical slasher movie? It's the fucking slasher. Yeah. They're not, it's not just some random guy. Well, yeah, I think that's he's the point. He's not changing the... <laughs> it's like the monster interior decorator. It's like, he's not doing it, because goddamn, how the fuck would he? Like, there's just... There's so much goddamn running around. It's like, no, he's not. Somebody else is doing this, and he's just walking in and, like, but, fucking okay. cleaning up. This is a meta problem, because they're, they're trying to make a meta movie. <laughs> yes. And in these movies, this character doesn't exist. Yeah, exactly. There is no guy that just, oh, I'm going to switch the, the direction on this, this way to abandon hospital. Right. If anybody's doing it, they're either... <laughs> it's it's typically just the killer. That's the point. They're trying to say there's a guy who's di- who's doing this thing right. that would have been done by just random chance before. Like, oh, it turns out we don't have a spare tire. Oh, it turns out fucking... Whatever. Like, yeah, the yeah. signpost in Jurassic Park is pointing the wrong way just because of storm reasons. And it's just like, fuck, where's the East Dock? Screwed. I think it was more from crash into the sign reasons. <laughs> well, no, but he couldn't fucking see anything. And that's why he crashed into the Oh, yeah. The storm, the storm killed yeah. the sign. There's just some dude with, like, 
a fire hose on the other side of a tree, just spraying water over mm-hmm. top of it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly what it is. It's canon now. This movie proves it. Yep. This is canon for Jurassic Park. So he bungles his way through this whole situation and, like, isn't... Like, he's he's just there because he just wants to, like, be like a... He wants to he witness wants it to all. He wants to help. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but, but him being there basically causes both of them to die. Yeah. And then uh, his friend comes in and he shoots... Even aim for the head, always hits the shoulder somehow. Yeah. And he gets arrested, and that's yeah. It's the whole thing is just completely like we we noticed it's, all these movie tropes. His name is Myers. He's Mike Myers. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it. Shagadelic. <laughs> I did think it was pretty funny whenever Wendy got there as the cop, and uh, she reminds him that there's a kid in the house. He's like, "Oh, a little boy. I should go check on him." Just like nah, nah. Let's, let's yeah, nah, no good on that. Let's pass on that. That's the uh, the intro to the movie. Essentially, it is the framework. It's the cold open. Yeah, and this is where you're introduced into Rad Chad, who has the best bumper sticker on his car that just says "Class of 1990." Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> also driving the uh, the convertible that's like kind of burgundy color. It doesn't look like it's horror themed yet, aside from the bumper sticker. Yeah. And then he uh, puts up the top, and it's just like Freddy Krueger's sweater, basically. Well, yeah, it's the car at the end of the yeah. first Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. It's I mean, Freddy Mobile. Uh, everything you see in this movie is just horror tropes and horror references, which, on its face, doesn't seem like such a bad idea. That's That works sometimes in other films, but we're going to find out if we think it works in this one. We need to point out, and I know that we kind of said it in the intro, but... Pretty much every director in this movie, this is like their first thing. They're all like basically shorts that are from very, very new directors. Yeah. Most of them have never done a feature film before. I didn't look into them very much, but like, have they like done shorts before? or is this like? I'm sure that some of them have done shorts. I think the, I don't remember which segment he did, but one of the guys just did a feature film horror western on Shudder. That was, it was decent. Okay. So, but that was his first film too. So we have to go in with a little bit of expectation that like, this shit is not going to be... Yeah, it's not going to be... Amazing. It's sort of, um, and I guess for good reason, it reminds me of Killing Gunther in that it's just like skits, basically. Like, it's, it's Saturday Night Live, the horror edition, with a you know a much larger budget. I and... would say that most of these probably... I'd say most of these are better made than in general than Killing Gunther. Yeah, for sure. for sure. Yeah, yeah. Because aside well, because, from like the whole car explosion bit, there was nothing in it. Yeah, there was there was clear. Even the photoshops don't look good. <laughs> killing guns. God, the fucking photoshops were so shitty. <laughs> like, how about a photoshop of somebody who you could have just put in that outfit? Yeah. yeah. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> Photoshopping an outfit. The fuck out of here. Their entire budget went to Arnold for the whole seven minutes he's in the movie. Yep. But that was well spent, you know. Yeah, he should have gotten all of the budget. <laughs> so, Rad Chad is a video store owner, and a weird guy comes into his store. I can't remember the weird guy's name. It doesn't matter, is no, it? I can't either. He was insufferable. He does have a pretty sweet shirt that says, let's talk about Jesus on it. It has a smiling taco. Let us pray yeah. underneath it. Yeah. It's pretty good. This guy's obsessed with the video store. Obviously, Rad Chad thinks he's a moron. Well, this is just that guy that hangs out at any given establishment who's obsessed with it wants to work there wants to fucking jerk off everybody who works there like doesn't leave and everybody wishes that he would so just cheats at gamestop (laughs) (laughs) 
fuck games. Though. I don't want to jerk off. Games, I mean, though. pass cheats. Fuck you. <laughs> You're talking like 12 years ago or, or older. Uh, he gets a new hire, kid named Han. A, uh, asked some serious questions. I don't remember what they were. Don't really care. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so uh, he the day it's, goes it's, it's with almost him an interview. walking him through. Yeah. Occasionally referencing some of the movies, mm-hmm. and then you cut to that movie. Right. Uh, I think my favorite might be the first one where there's like a there's two couples seem I guess they're swingers or whatever that are camping, and then a guy runs in. He's like, "You have to kill me." <laughs> I'm a wolf. I'm changing. <laughs> and they all just... So, yeah, he's like a, a were-goop. A were-goop? Yeah. <laughs> he's a were-goop. I don't know if that was what it was intended to be, but uh, it's like just anything silver is supposed to kill him because he's breaking down, and it, and then this guy puts like a pair of silver handcuffs on him, and he's like frozen mid-transformation, where he's like a right, uh, waist-high yeah. pile of goo with uh, melty eyes. and uh, But this other the guy who handcuffed him... Those uh, handcuffs weren't planned. See, this guy's a slasher villain. And uh, <laughs> my favorite thing is when he kills the first guy, he just it's just a sideways bear hug, and he squeezes the shit out of him, and the pile of goo reacts like it's the most disgusting thing he's ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, I think that's really, that was great. It's really the highlight of the movie. <laughs> the yeah. shame that's a... This early. <laughs> in this segment, like a few minutes later, he's chasing one of the women and she impales herself on a stick. Like you can yeah. see like the stick going through her chin. And he fucking picks up a rock and throws it at her head and her head just fucking explodes like it got hit with a fucking bomb. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I thought for a minute he might have thrown a grenade or something. <laughs> the first guy that he kills, like when he starts squeezing, the guy's just like, you are surprisingly strong. And then he just squeezes his guts out like a tube of toothpaste. Yeah, so this thing that Dehart just said um, is interesting to me. They put the best part of the movie first, basically. And I think that's definitely on purpose. Because with streaming, you get more money the longer the person streams it. So you want all of the best content right up front. They almost don't care if it's a good movie, if it's better off that you watch more of it. Yeah, I mean, overall, the sketch is, I mean, like, the uh, the segment is okay. Yeah. I really like that guy. Uh-huh. I mean, even when they come back to him and he's more <laughs> melted. <laughs> God, what the shit. She ends up getting tricked by him and he bites her and she turns into a were goop. Yeah. And then they goop together. He's like, I'm sorry, I couldn't help myself. <laughs> He was trying so hard to help them help themselves. <laughs> and she has to end hand. up handcuffing herself mid-transformation. It's like, your goo is over there. My goo begins here. <laughs> the goop effects are pretty good. Like, also, the, like, the special effects are, like, mid-transformation. Yeah. You know, it's like a camera cut and it goes back and, like, she's worse. It's really fun. Like, yeah. The effects are super fun in this segment, for sure. They look great. If you want, like... Cheesy B horror, like, but like putting all your budget into the effects, and that's fine for this, yeah. you know. We cut back to the video store, which the video store segments are like not very long. Um, it's basically like there's some lines, there's some of like Rad Chad being insufferable. I can't decide who's more annoying him or the dude who like wants to hang out at the shop and like wanted the job that Han now has. Probably Chad because he's in the movie a lot more than the other guy is, mm. but they're both just oof. Just insufferable. 
The so the next one is like a, a skit of like these like three women who are, who are friends and uh, they're having like a you know girls' night out. They've got like a, a hotel room. While they're in like the store getting supplies, they see like this random like skull shaped lollipop that one of them steals because of course if it's a skull shaped lollipop, you have to take it right. Because that's a great idea. It's not for sale. They yeah, couldn't it, buy it. It's not for sale, so obviously they steal it and they each lick it and a turns into red skull heads. And that's it. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> yeah, there's a killer. There was a killer. No, it's lurking. It's like none of this stuff makes any fucking sense. <laughs> there's no reason for anything. It just happens and then we're done with it. Also, there's a one you skipped over where uh there's a fight club style meeting without the fighting, so it's just the complaining. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Again, the problem with horror anthologies, as we mentioned, is forgetting where the, the skits are actually. Well, especially at. when there's six or seven of, of yeah. the stories. And this one sucks. The Fight Club one or the one with the lollipop? Yes. Both of them. <laughs> okay. I kind of like the Fight Club one a little bit. I like the idea of it. So. Yeah, it's just a bunch of bitching men. Right. <laughs> it's a bunch of people who are basically men's rights activists. Yes. Well, yeah, they, their, their group name is Mr. Yeah. <laughs> Which, fuck these guys. <laughs> that's probably actually what I liked it, is because it's a bunch of people I couldn't stand, and they right. all get fucking murdered. Yeah. Because these are, these are all also dudes who are all werewolves. Mm-hmm. And some, like, random dude who's, like, the main character for this kit kind of shows up. He's just like, yeah, I want to hang out with you guys. And then he goes to, like, where they're hanging out, and then he just pulls out weapons and kills all of them. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, he's a werewolf hunter. Like, that's kind of cool. And then he goes home and like, no, they're Satan worshippers. He just took all of them for, or took their skins and, like, organs and stuff for sacrifices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of the, the extent of that. Yeah, I mean, that that was all of it, what Cheech just described. And if it sounds like they just stapled a bunch of random shit together, that is what it is. It's like, what do you mean you're, what, you're, you're a cultist now? Yeah, yeah. It, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> it was fine. You were a fucking wolf hunter. Just I mean, let it be. Would, yeah. Say, want werewolf belts? No. He Aren't would. werewolves out there doing his bidding? Yeah. <laughs> he he would not create a bounty system to eliminate evil. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't make any sense, but it doesn't matter. It, it would have been way better if they would have just like finished the story. Like he goes home and he's just like a super supportive husband or yeah. something like that. You know what I mean? Just like. Give us a reason that you had this group called Mister. Right. You know what I mean? Like, we, we get a very brief scene where, like, he's drinking in a bar, and he has, like, a flashback of, like, his wife is complaining, just like, you know, I'm the only one sacrificing around here. You you don't do things. Of course, you sacrificing. know. Sacrificing. Yeah, exactly. So you get that. But it's, I feel like with this particular skit, there's just a twist to have a twist, and it doesn't really pay off. It was a bold strategy, yeah, uh, Cotton. You want to talk about Fight Club for a minute? <laughs> okay. Not really. <laughs> Well, hold on a minute. I think think what a lot of people are missing, the thing that caught on, is not what people talk about. People just want to fight. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, that was what all the pop references, pop culture references of the time were about. People having actual fight clubs. They weren't about, like, the the bitching about shit. Right. They just want to punch somebody in the face. Right, exactly. No, I mean, just ask fucking Skeletor. Fighting is fun! He doesn't doesn't even give a fuck if he defeats He-Man or not. No. He just wants to keep fighting him. Forever. Forever! (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. I mean, they they fucking tripped at the fucking finish line on this one, for sure. I was like Cheats. I was more on board with this one, and then it gets to the end, and I'm just like, more things? Have enough things for this. And, of course, the reason Steven said 
we needed to have an actual reason. Like, a, oh, we get to the end and there's a reason why these guys are like men's rights activists. It's literally just so that we will love it when they die. That's it. Yeah, that's it. No plot reasons. Just, yeah, just for the audience to not give a shit about them. But we didn't care anyway. Spoilers. <laughs> because this is fucking ten minutes long. There's one where a uh, guy in a trunk is taken out in the middle of nowhere and he's branded with an Omega on his head. It was, yeah. yeah, it was like the second to last story. It was in there. <laughs> and uh, it's like, I I still have so much to do. And then there's a woman that's parked in the middle of a field for no apparent reason. And a uh, fall grows up on her and that guy possesses her. And he goes home and he's watching TV. Because that's the, I guess that's the thing that he needed to do, and they fight until she gets her body back, and then it gets spoiled anyway. Oh, oh, shucks. darn it! That was terrible. I hated it. I liked the fighting. I didn't like anything else. <laughs> he just wants to fight. <laughs> One other segment that I actually enjoyed was the the slasher segment for the night he came back again, the final kill, part four. Yes, that that was the one where. Um, a group of teenagers finally catches the villain and they're trying different ways to actually fucking kill him. So they like stab him in the heart and then they hit him with jumper cables. Hit him with jumper cables and then what do they do after that? They cut off his So Oh, uh, they fill him with fireworks. Yes. Like all sorts of shit and like filled him with fireworks. Yeah, there's a lot of like horror tropey shit here. One thing that I actually like is uh, there's the obvious boyfriend of the girl and then there's the best friend who wants to get with the girl. And when the boyfriend dies, everybody gasps, and, like, it just shows him, and he does, the, like, the, yes! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fuck yeah. Because it's, like, her, her friend, her boyfriend, and then her friend and her, her friend's boyfriend. And each... <laughs> yeah. And e- each time that they kill the, like, slasher here, another person, like, will die. Like, they're just like, is he actually dead? And someone walks over, and then he, the killer just reaches up and, like, chokes him out. Mm-hmm. And then, like, her best friend dying... Because they go through all of this, and like to the point where like the killer's actually like in half, mm-hmm. like he, and her friend who is like I've always loved you, like walks up and they take the mask off, and she's like getting ready to shoot him, and then like she can't, and like I was expecting her to just be like I can't do it, he's hot, or because it seems to be like what it was trying to imply. Well, he, yeah, the guy goes, "Are you into this dude?" Yeah, <laughs> like she would rather date the in half killer than this dude. Yeah, and it's. <laughs> Like, her friend initially was just like, I've always loved you. And then, like, he's just like, just do it. Like, he's dying. And he's like, I fucking hate you. And then he just dies. Right. So she, like, shoots the guy in the head, the killer, calls for, like, a wood chipper. And is, like, putting his body, like, into it. And then he just, like, even though he's in a half, even though he has a hole in his head, like, suddenly he just, like, wakes up. And, like, kind of, like, vomits blood. And he's like, I'm your brother. And she, she's like, what? And just, <laughs> all the way through. <laughs> And of course, then there's just a puddle of blood that then just like a reformed hand comes right, out. Right, of course, because the night he came back again, five has yeah. to come out. Yeah, for sure. Which of of the skits, aside from like the the first two we mentioned with the the ooze guy and like Mike the dude, I feel like this is the only one that like is good. Yeah, yeah I mean, ones. it was fun. I thought, and yeah, the, and the effects look great. Uh, that said, Cheats' description of it just now was exactly as entertaining as the actual skit. <laughs> <laughs> I can't decide if you're insulting me or insulting the skit at that point, or both. I'm fully insulting the skit. I thought you did a great job retelling the story. Like, yours was like the elevator pitch version that gets this thing made. (laughs) (laughs) I'm your brother! (laughs) (laughs) So we get, like, what is the last skit now? Which, at different points, Chad has been like, you know, Han, don't go in this back room. And then, like, it keeps making it seem like more and more like Chad's gonna, like, some sort of killer. And then, like, Han goes into the back room, and he's just like, 
Chad's like, I can't believe you did that. And, like, he goes back there, turns the lights on, and it's a whole bunch of, like, welcome new employee and things like that. And Chad's just like, well, I guess it's over now, Han. And then he turns around and is like, do you want some cake? Everything's chill, right? And then Han knocks him out from behind, and Chad wakes up in some sort of, like, horror facility. And he starts immediately applying, like, horror movie logic of, like, He's here. There's these other people, but he doesn't know why he's here. It turns yeah, there's out there's the jock. There's the final girl. Yeah. you know, there's the nerd, the stoner. You know, there's a whole bunch of horror movie trope characters. Yeah, which I liked the idea of the facility before the skit further went on because the whole point of the, of the facility is they capture like I think he was like the was it Devil Lake Impaler who's supposed to be like the killer. Yes. Yes. Uh, this is a uh, Dusty Rhodes. Yeah, Gold Dust. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And so he's like the Jason version. The entire facility is just like studying like horror killer logic on like like how it works. And so like they they have him on on a treadmill. They have another person. A treadmill? Treadmill. (laughs) My bad. Is that like something you walk on and eat? Every episode, dude. Every goddamn episode. Listen, I'm not good at speaking. You know this. So they get... Said podcast host number four. So they have him on a treadmill. Yes. And then they, they have another person, and they're like, they have like a little chart up of just like escape uh, threshold. Yeah. Like, like the killer is a black hole. Mm-hmm. This is the perfect uh, movie for a wrestler to be in, by the way. Yes. <laughs> this is what wrestlers and movies was made for. I would posit he's any a, movie with fighting in it. He's a taller than normal human. Yeah. <laughs> that uh, just kind of physically imposing. That's all he needs to be. Yeah. And also... Um, <laughs> Gorilla presses. My no, bro- no, there's none of that news. I know, but there should have been. There should have been. It should have yeah. been. Would have helped the segment. Good for business when there's a gorilla press. It is. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I don't know how we like. How are people not understanding this yet? Like gorilla presses, just similarly to exploding heads, put asses in seats. <laughs> they do. Sometimes you're stabbed into a fucking stalactite. <laughs> Sometimes you're just. It's a whole fight, and it's nothing but Gorilla Press. It's like America 3000. You also get a uh, cameo from Joe Bob Briggs yes. in the segment, who is uh, Rad Chad's fucking... Mentor? Men- no, it's not his mentor. Well, not mentor. His fucking he's inspiration. His hero. Yeah. Joe Bob fucking hates him. <laughs> yeah, because he's insufferable. <laughs> like, Joe Bob and me was just like, you're a moron. Whenever Joe Bob is dying, he walks up to him, and Joe Bob just goes, can you just leave? <laughs> Once again, like somebody that you could put in your low-budget movie that will elevate it slightly. Yeah. yeah, he does a lot for this segment, too. Chad's already figured out that they are in a movie. The slasher has escaped. And uh, now it's basically one of those movies. So he's trying to use his meta-knowledge yeah. uh, to uh, navigate them to safety. He's failing, but uh, that's where Joe Bob comes in. Yeah, actual expert on the subject. Yeah, they're in the elevator, it stops, and then uh, Chad freaks out, hits the, like, the emergency button, which is going to self-destruct the facility. So it's like, hey, I'm going to go fix this. <laughs> and then uh, that kills him, <laughs> where we get the line, can you just leave, and you're a moron. <laughs> uh, and he ascends to Joe Bob's status by putting on his hat, and is like, then he, he sacrifices himself so that the uh, remaining two, the... Uh, the final girl in the stoner can get away. He gets his fucking head impaled by a fist. Fucking end of day style. Yeah. He gets the full <laughs> punch to the head. Yeah, I mean, not a bad way 
to uh, have him go out, for sure. If you were this guy, that's how you'd want to go. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And probably the, the uh, guy that just dies, like, immediately after this, too. I can't remember what movie we podcasted, but we posited that it was the first punch through the head, and I have no fucking clue what movie it was, but there are a lot. <laughs> like, there's a disproport... Like, there's more than you'd ever think there what there would be of just either supernatural or non-supernatural person simply just punching through a head. Yeah, I mean, I watched one the other day, fucking 30 Days of Night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there it is. And, of course, always that I bring up, because it's, like, possibly my favorite example of it, End of Days... Where the devil just punches through some one of his minions' heads, like they're just, he's barely even having any kind of like he's like so it's like the Darth Vader thing. He's like, sorry, sir, uh, uh, I fucked up. Yeah, <laughs> punch you through your fucking head. It's pretty severe punishment, but if the, the devil, devil punches you through your head, do you go to hell and then have to get punched in the head again by him? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like he would just delegate that responsibility <laughs> after the first time. Regional managers of punching heads. Yeah, okay. <laughs> At the end here, you have the final girl escaping with the last guy, and they think they kill the the killer by what do they do to him? I don't even fucking remember. The way they him. trap him, and I cracked up, and I shouldn't have, is they go back to like his backstory, or supposing the backstory of the killer was a dude. They like, they fucking Friday the Thirteenth Part Six, right? Yeah. Is that in that which which one it is, D Hart? Uh, I think it's four. Is it four with Feldman? It's four. Yeah, they Corey Feldman his ass. Yeah, the the stoner like he shaves off like all of his hair like real quick, and he stands out there and he's like, "Hey, it's me, Timmy, or whatever the dude's name." Because the the background for the killer is supposed to be like he helped like kids as part of like a local college, and then like a bunch of people died and it was his fault, whatever. He's like, "It's me, Timmy. I survived the cancer. I can't believe that you know you're still alive, and I get to see you again." And the killer just like. Drops his axe and like walks forward like he's gonna like hug him because he's just he's so happy Timmy's still alive mm-hmm. and they just electrical line into a puddle supposedly mm-hmm. shocks to kill him of course it doesn't yeah of course the stoner gets uh, ripped in half well they uh, they go to the car which uh, some of the research in the facility said like seventeen out of eighteen times if the uh, killer's within fourteen meters of the car it won't start so they get the idea it's like okay we just have to move the body yeah. I think you should just put it in neutral and push the car. And roll, yeah. <laughs> but anyway. Not only that, but when he walks up to the body to move it, there's an axe sitting right next to the body where he could have just chopped the guy's head off just to make sure. Yo, he's up yeah, but Decapitation always works. <laughs> <laughs> well. 90% of the time, decapitation works, works every time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the killer comes back. Oh, how does he kill this dude? Oh, he cuts him in half. Or he rips well, him in yeah, half. Yeah, he, he picks him up by the legs because like they look and he's not on the ground anymore. And mm-hmm. the final girl looks up. He's in front of the car with the stoner. And the stoner's like, oh, I got a split. And then, you know, ripped in half. Because Chris made a terrible pun here. Yeah, of course. She hits him with the car and drives, drives off. And then she dreams that he impales her. Yep. And then she wakes up. Dreams that he impales her again. Yeah, she dreams. When wakes up a third time. And then she wakes up a third time and she ducks. And then you find out that the other guy from the beginning is involved. Pulls her out of the car. Yeah, Mike shows up. He's like, I made it to the end of the movie. And then he throws a cigarette at the car because it, it was leaking gasoline. And yes. It blows up and kills the kid. Because that works. Yes. <laughs> Mo- movie end. Yeah. God, I don't remember what podcast it was, but Philip went hard against that fucking cigarette lighting fucking gasoline on fire thing. I mean, yeah. Well, because of Mythbusters. Yeah, of course. (laughs) (laughs) And just logic. Who cares about logic? (laughs) Logic would say that if you throw a flaming thing 
into the gas, it would start. But, you know, it's better safe than sorry. <laughs> I wouldn't do it at your local Don't gas station, folks. Don't try this at home, children. <laughs> <laughs> gas is a little safer than we think it is, but also less safe if you're throwing it onto a fucking open flame. So don't do that. That's been our PSA for, for, for today. Yep. <laughs> they show the credits for every segment. Oh, yeah. Is there a post-credit thing that I didn't pay attention to? <laughs> nah. No. So, obviously, these are both blind picks by cheats because... Really, they both fall squarely in the realm of comedy more than horror. They attempt they attempt to be clever or like reference tons of tropes or whatever. Yeah. And they make great popcorn movies for that reason. But this one is going to be a little bit of a pain in the ass to describe. Cheats. Yeah, so scare me. Here in a power outage, two strangers tell scary stories. The more Fred and Fanny commit to their tales, the more the stories come to life in their Catskills cabin. Horrors of reality manifest when Fred confronts his ultimate fear. Which, part of the reason that I picked this is, like, I like the idea of it reading kind of like the synopsis that it has on Shudder. Because, like, one thing that comes to mind for like, the Halloween season, of course, is, like, telling ghost stories uh, over, like, campfires. Like, that's part of the first thing that comes to mind for Halloween stuff, which is what this, this accomplishes. Mm-hmm. Rather than just being firmly like, this is a horror movie. And if you watch kind of the, the preview and stuff, whenever they are actually, like, talking about their stories, there are, like, sound effects in the backgrounds. Like, you can kind of just see the shadows do things. So I kind of made the initial it's, assumption. That, it's insanely unique. Yes. It's very, very unique. I've never seen a movie like this. Right, and I really liked that aspect of it. I made the general kind of assumption that toward the like end of the movie, or like maybe halfway through, it would take on more of like a like a supernatural element to it with like their stories of like this actually happened, like they're telling a story and then things actually happen outside the cabin and then they have to like, you know, go against it or you know, something along those lines. And it doesn't do that. It actually stays pretty firmly rooted in just like Telling ghost stories and like a standard normal reality with no supernatural elements. Yeah, I think we need to talk at least a little bit about the characters here. Like Fred is just kind of a miserable fuck that goes to a cabin to write, I guess. He's an advertising writer, like a copywriter basically. Yeah. He's just going there to like work on his idea for a werewolf story. It takes a little bit before it kind of reveals everything with them, but the, we'll, we'll go ahead and just say it up front so we, you have an idea of who these two characters are. So Fred goes to this cabin because he is miserable. And he establishes later, the opposite character, Fanny, finds out that this guy basically had a mental break. He was just in a relationship with an ex or an ex-wife, and everything went wrong. She was cheating on him, so he says that he said he cheated on her. He said he had anger issues, uh, and it kind of came to a head when he like threatened to kill her. So now she's getting a restraining And order. wrote her a thousand letters. Yeah, and called her <laughs> two or three hundred times. Right. And like, he's like, I, I gotta shrink. Uh, I'm out in this cabin. I'm, I'm trying to do my dream now by actually writing. He's never practiced a skill, and he just has just ridiculous writer's block. So the most that he has on his computer screen is, Werewolf Revenge Story, there are guns? Question mark? <laughs> uh, well, Fanny is like an, an actual horror writer it doesn't mention how many like books she's written but in particular within the context of the movie she's known right now for writing what is considered one of the most popular horror one of the best one of the best horror novels of all yeah according to like the new york times and a million other things the atlantic the vulture that's the new york one um you know a bunch of people on social media things like that so she's just kind of like out at this cabin just kind of like a different cabin, like, get away from things, um, you know, 
come up with some new ideas for for her next story or stories, whatever the the case happens the happens to be. And there are there are two major characters. There are only two other characters that are shown at any point. And the first one is the really annoying uh, driver at the beginning. What is her name? Like I don't know, Betnia or Betna or something like that. Like she's taking Fred out to a cabin and she's like, "Oh, I'm a, I'm also a writer." He's like, "Oh, cool, cool," and just. Tries not to say anything. She's like, so anyway, my story ideas. And she just goes right into it. And then there's a pizza delivery guy that shows up later named Carlo who uh, hangs out a while with him. Dude, after he hears, uh, I think Bettina is her name. After he hears her story, he thinks about stealing it. Yeah. Like he's shitting on it like in the car. I mean, to be fair though, it's not stealing. (laughs) Her story's just from the Bible. Like... Yeah. Yeah. It's fucking stupid. I mean, it's definitely a, a little borrow because somebody yeah, no, told because me, hey, it, this is my it, idea. <laughs> right, exactly. It's like, it's the story of Korra and it's, like, it's, oh. a, it's an action movie though. Yeah. And he's like, oh, okay. So a Bible story action movie. That's it. That's the idea. Like, it doesn't matter what the story is. Fucking Moses versus Korra. Later on, whenever she, Fanny asks him what he's working on, he's like, yeah, you know, like a, like a religious action story. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, like, oh, okay, so well, you're just stealing. There are differences in, like, what they mention here. So if they establish, like, what kind of piece of shit Fred is, she's just like, yeah, I'm thinking about doing, like, a story of Cora. And so we're going to propose this scenario. So Steven and I are coming up with story ideas. And I say, you know, I think I'm going to do something with Cora. And Steven's like, what are you going to do? And I'm just like, I don't know, just something. And then, like, later on, St- Steven does something with Cora and does all this work and establishes all this stuff. Steven didn't steal that from me. We talked about Steven? it. Steven? It's Fred. Yes. Well, no, because and then Stephen like puts in all the work, makes up all the stuff with Cora, has all this storyline, does all this stuff. Stephen has not stolen that idea from me. On the other hand, if I were just like Stephen, here's all this stuff with Cora, and I tell Stephen literally everything I've planned, and then Stephen then takes that and writes that down, and then does it himself. Stephen stole that from me. It's not my fault you didn't do it. <laughs> well, I, well, yeah, but you're an asshole, so you, you know where I'm going. Here. That's fair, but, but I'm not a thief. Yeah, but Fred, Fred is just like. He's just this dude who is miserable and hasn't done anything. Yeah. yeah. So he runs into Annie like while they're kind of out running. You know, I have a brief conversation. She's kind of rude to him initially, which I don't blame her. Like, if I just saw some random dude like out running, I would just be like, "Of course, I'm not going to run." Let's be honest here. <laughs> uh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> just before you all say anything, I was uh, no, say shit. I was just going to agree with you because it's like it's just simply rude. People are in the zone. They're doing their thing. They're running. They have headphones in. Leave them the fuck alone, you loser. You fucking loser. You're, yeah, you're going to get like a friendly nod or like if you tripped and like fell over, like I might like help you if you need it. And it's like, all right, take care of yourself. And that's it. Yeah, he goes, I'm Fred. Yeah. And she goes, I didn't ask. <laughs> yeah, at this point, he should keep running. Yes. And just go go the direction you were already going and don't pay any attention to this bitch. <laughs> yeah. What? It's a rude thing to she say. She is it's being like, oh, super rude know. to him. No, like, yeah. But, like, that's her character. Like, is rude as fuck. But this should fuck. be the end of the, the interaction. Well, yeah, that's that's how we know this guy's pathetic. Instead, he follows her and is like, well, now you should be worried. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. As the rude person, you should be worried yes, that, as someone a rude person. that you were an asshole to. It's just like, eh, I'll just keep... Hanging out with you anyways, even though you're basically telling me to fuck the fuck off. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, Fanny is played by Aya Cash, who has just recently become popular from the second season of The Boys. She's one of the main characters in that season, and she's really fucking good in it. I haven't seen her with anything, but I can already say, like, just from watching this movie, that I really liked her. I think so. she's in Wolf of Wall Street, too. The 
the uh, oh, Scorsese movie. I think the fact that D. Hart and Cheats have not seen the boys, I think they need to put the boys back on the menu, boys. <laughs> <laughs> There's a part at the beginning of this segment where she straight up asks him, are you some kind of fucking incel or something? <laughs> yeah. And like, he should have just been like, yeah. Because well, he is. <laughs> yeah, I don't think... I don't think incels are aware that they are incels. It's like being the villain in somebody else's story. It's like, you don't think you're the villain. You think you're the fucking protagonist. Some are, Philip, and they use that title on ironic way, but they don't <laughs> think they're bad. Well, no, yeah, they self-ascribe it, yes. <laughs> yes, I am an incel, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> this is not one of those people. This guy has a job. This guy's a fucking loser that is an incel that doesn't know he's an incel. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Um, so, like, the, the night that she, she happens to meet him, you know, that was that morning, um, he's back in his cabin, he's, like, trying to do some stuff, he's, he's eating this sad TV dinner, and it's just the saddest looking TV dinner. Uh, his power goes out, he's kind of, you know, walking around the cabin, and, like, she just kind of shows up, and he's like, hey, your power out? Scares the hell out of him at first. She starts hanging out with him, and, like, they're talking back and forth, and initially, like, they're pretty antagonistic toward each other. He's just kind of an ass anyway, and then she is, like actively rude to him back and forth and then they just kind of come to agreement like all right instead let's let's do this because she was talking to him uh, about the writing thing he said he's trying to be a writer she's like okay idea i want you to scare me so we're gonna tell scary stories back and forth and you have to try to kill me or kill me you have to try to scare me because i'm bored Mm -hmm. so he initially was just like all right i have this werewolf story she's like okay He's like, so this kid's parents get killed by a werewolf, and then like he goes after the werewolf. And this is where normally in an anthology movie you would get the scene change to the actual story. The difference between this movie and those is that they just tell the story, and the sound effects are added in. Right. And there's a few visuals. Yeah, some visual effects. Few visuals, like you see, like a werewolf hand come out and stuff like that. And when that happened, I thought maybe like. This was gonna like do what you said and be like a little more supernatural, but it was just this was just kind of some like storytelling techniques that they use, and I don't hate it. Like I don't hate the way that they did this because it's different. I like that. I'm all for different. Yeah, I'm all for uniqueness. Yeah, it's a really interesting way to to do an anthology and to do a series of stories, but that are like literally because telling stories just like campfire style is a legit form of storytelling. And it's, like, kind of a lost art, honestly, because there's just so many better ways to tell stories now, like, more effective ways. But they kind of try to recapture that a little bit, I think, for this movie. Issue being, the genre we're in right now is horror, and there isn't any. Nothing horrific happens until basically the end, and it's pretty tame stuff. So, if it falls short anywhere, it's the fact that without showing us horror, it's not horror. Like, you're not horrified by someone telling you a story of something bad happening. I mean, you can... Especially whenever they're clearly making it up as they go. There are plenty of good examples of uh, someone telling a story in a movie that's just... They're just talking. Yeah. There's no cut cutaways or anything that work great. Yeah. Those but, are not improv stories, though. No. <laughs> the problem is, those are a small segment. Right. Within a larger thing. Yeah. Like a... When uh, Robert Shaw talks about the U.S. Uh, is it USS Indianapolis? Yeah. Yes. That works great. Yeah. It's like basically you get the idea. It's like it's basically you're watching that movie in your imagination for that three or four minutes that he's talking. Right. So the interesting thing here, the the thing that makes it unique is that it's almost a mini like writer workshop 
like as far as like the viewers concerned because they're discussing tons of like actual shit you have to do to write effective storytelling and so it's kind of like commentary on that and and also a campfire story and also improv and also comedy and uh you know i i think it does work but i think there's like obviously places where it's like it can't really achieve much horror at all including like nixing the bad parts of storytelling yeah there are scenes during the stories where he'll do something and she's like no that doesn't work let's let's change it to this let's yeah. change it it's almost like an editing process during the story and it's being able to take criticism and actually make changes based on it right i'm not going to say that it's perfect it's just very different yeah you know it's just a very different way to do it and i appreciate that like you were saying here, Philip, with it being kind of like a writing workshop kind of thing, is like, that's that's accurate. If you go into this expecting a horror movie, it's not a horror movie. This is like a drama comedy kind of thing until kind of toward the end. And in the process of watching this, I also ended up uh, watching this with a friend. And uh, said friend was my buddy Pedro, who is also like doing it in writing and stuff like that. And so like we've sat around like bouncing ideas for things off of each other and being like, that doesn't work, do this. So it's like kind of watching this was like a conversation. Like I enjoy it because I'm watching it and it's like a conversation I've had or like conversations I've had with myself and like trying to argue with myself about ideas and things like that. But as far as like in a horror idea, this is, it's not a horror movie. I can say that I think Bone Tomahawk is a horror movie. And that is a movie that starts off as firmly a western and then it hits the last segment of it and it goes fully into horror territory yeah but it does start off actually with necks being slit yes but westerns are still violent and things like happen with that yeah 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 you're right and with this is like it is pretty firmly like about these two characters in kind of like a drama comedy kind of way and there is a bad thing that happens at the end but it is not a horror movie listen there are fucking red flags all through this oh, movie. all the way. Like, when she picks up his phone and he screams at her, which she shouldn't have picked up his phone and read his phone. That's fucking rude. But, like, when he screams at her and she walks outside and then he goes outside and, and tells a story about how he wrote his ex-wife a thousand letters and, and called her a couple hundred times. and Yeah, he's like, I'm an abusive person. He might as well have just said that. And she saw the text that was like, you're a monster. Yeah. Or whatever, like... She should have just been out at that point. Yeah. Don't go back into this dude's house. And he defends himself here by explaining, like, I got to shrink. You know, I'm trying to get things back on track. And it's also, like, a deflection for the audience, too. Because, of course, you watch this, I'm just like, mm, I don't know about this. See, the whole shrink thing, I didn't buy it a, a second. Because literally ten seconds before this, he screamed in her face. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like... Well, regardless of any of that, it doesn't really... It's a movie, so if there's red flags, they're there for a fucking reason. It's not like real life where it's like, you might see something and you're trying to interpret it. Is this, is this a problem? Is it not? We'll find out, I guess. But in this, if he snaps and yells at her, that's in there for a very specific reason. Right, right. And obviously he's fucking an incel and a piece of shit. She tells a story about a grandpa. A grandpa. A creepy, slobbit grandpa. Dude, when she does like the dog licking up the food sound yeah. effects, I put the surround sound on just because yeah. so much. This movie uses so much sound in its storytelling. And like all around me, it's just like. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like. Ugh. 
And just come here, talk to Grandpa. It's like, ooh, yeah. no. I can't believe you're bringing up that instead of the fucking disgusting peanut butter all over her face for like five solid minutes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, that, hadn't got to it, that, that's super gross. But like, when she starts telling her story, he's just like, no, wait, this isn't a creepy touchy story, is yeah. it? Like, She's like, I wasn't going there. Just creepy Grandpa touchy. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know that we need to tell every one of these little stories. Do we? No, we, we don't really have to. I do really like the next one that they tell. They, like, collaborate on a uh, a troll who hangs out in the walls of an edible arrangement shop. Yeah. And, like, tries to get people to do things. Yeah. And it's just like, what's the troll's name? Because that's the other thing. Is like, Devin. <laughs> that's right? an awfully modern name for a troll. <laughs> Devin. Because the, the thing with her is, like, of course, she's really good at, like, asking questions on things. And he'll just be like... It's this. And she's like, but why is it that? Right. And that's the really important part. Because she part. realizes that he's not a good storyteller. He's basically a five-year-old at telling stories. At one point, they have an actual conversation where she's just like, you can't just sit down and just write stuff. Like, you have to read and watch and write things in order to get practice and get good at it. And he's just like, no, I'm just going to write stuff. I'm going to be good no, at it. No, he just says, or I can just watch movies and then write stuff. Yeah. And, and then says, like, and I'll just be good at it. Which is obviously not how it works. At all. Why is he trying to write if he's watching movies? He should be going straight to filming things. Right. Right. Yes. Which skips a writing. Which is what I was about to bring up is the <laughs> fact that, and I know, I know it's just again, this is like us noticing the red flags, but it's like, of course, there's red flags. This is a fucking movie we're watching. We're watching a fucking movie. So he is like an insane fucking performer, and like he performs these uh, fucking like different stories and shit. With, like, a bunch of different voices and, like, great little, like, affectations and shit. And it's insanely good. He does a hell of a Crypt Keeper. Insane <laughs> Crypt Keeper. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. He's so good at the Crypt Keeper. It's got to be the only reason it's in the movie. Yeah. It's because he can do it so well. And plus, the main character here is uh, also the director. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. That makes... I didn't realize that. But also, like, it's a good reference during an anthology yeah. to reference Tales from the Crypt. Yeah. And then also... Like when they're actually in the engaging in the process of like telling the story, he's able to take creative criticism from her and like adjust and like actually grow and like do a good job at the story, which isn't something he's actually capable of, which is the whole point. Like he sucks because he doesn't practice this fucking craft. And it's like, yeah, guess what? You wrote four things before she got there. She straight up tells him like to his face. She's like, Stephen King fucking said, if you want to read and write, you have to read and write. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you have to be good at it. Paraphrasing, but of course. <laughs> but yeah, so that's obviously just so that the movie will be entertaining. Like, otherwise it's like he just argues with her the entire time and says his ideas are better and he doesn't want her to impose her feminine, like, whatever upon his masculine bullshit. And then they order a fucking pizza and break the uh, a fucking rule. This is just a rule. You just don't do hard drugs or really any drugs or, or you just don't do that with people you don't know isolated. Yeah. You just don't. That's just a line you shouldn't cross, ever. <laughs> I mean, you can, but it is a fucking hard dice roll. <laughs> yeah, it is. Like, you're trying to get seven the fucking hard way. <laughs> or whatever the fuck. So the pizza guy shows up with their pizza, and then they just decide to do a bunch of cocaine, and then tell another story about a possessed American Idol singer. Basically. Yeah. Well, yeah, they, they do this to show just how fucking pathetic Fred is, because it's like, Oh, so this random pizza delivery guy, he's also a better storyteller than you. <laughs> Literally everyone is. You suck. He actually, like, reads things. Like He had read her book, which Fred had not read. He just was aware of it. He didn't even know about it. 
He wasn't even aware of it. Like, that's the other thing is it's like, you know, there are some big things that even if I haven't read them, if you're just like, what about this? Like, I've heard of it. But like, Fred knows nothing about it. He has to Google her. He did know about the book because he said he heard her on uh, some podcast or radio. Thing. Yeah, Fred Shane. Yeah, radio yeah that's it. Yeah, so he was aware of her and the book and the fact that she's famous. That is all. Like, he didn't know shit about it and didn't read it. I mean, not to always have to give cheat shit, but he didn't Wikipedia it. Like, that, or that was what he did end up doing to, like, have some kind of a semblance of an idea of what the fucking book even was. So that later when he sees her, he can actually pretend like he's read it. And then when she finds out he hasn't, she's just like, you fucking suck. Like, you can't read. Or can you even read? At this point in the movie, like, after Carlo leaves, and they've all done a whole lot of cocaine, like, this is where the movie takes, like, a hard turn into, like, okay, it's time to go home now because... Just sometimes drugs and alcohol make things a lot worse. Sometimes they can make things really fun. And sometimes they can make things really fucking bad. Yeah, like, <laughs> there of course have been the red flags, but it presents it in such a way that it's like, maybe he's not going to be a piece of shit. But no, he 100% is. And he just like... That's exactly, that. like, what's going on here is exactly abusive people. Yes. It's like, they will constantly... Like, change gears. No matter what you say, they say the opposite thing. They will say that, oh, I'm just kidding. And, like, what do you, you know, like, try to reassure you and then immediately turn on you. Look what you made me do. Right, exactly. Look, look fucking Annie Wilkes, like, straight up that they reference earlier in the movie. And also this is, like, clearly because they're in a cabin, like, in the snow. Like, that's the that's the horror of the movie is that these people exist and they just, like are fine with just continuously fucking lying and manipulating. And they're masters at hiding it. <laughs> masters to a point. And then it's like, oh, this is transparent as fuck. Well, yeah, when you get a little cocaine in them. <laughs> Not cocaine. She finds out that he's been, uh, uh, she's been writing notes on him. Like, uh, basically turning their interactions into her, one of her ideas. Yeah, she, he finds her book earlier, which, which it is. Which would be show. fine. Maybe just write it after the fact. You don't need to write it while you're in front of the psycho. I mean, <laughs> on one hand, yes. And on the other hand, it's like, you fucking forget ideas. Like, I forget 50 ideas a day. Like, I don't write, I don't write down shit. It wasn't a good idea. <laughs> I mean, I disagree. <laughs> I think we forget so fucking much. And the cocaine. Yeah, of course, the cocaine <laughs> always helps. But also, she maybe should have, like, just put that in her pocket or I, yeah, I don't know. She probably just trusted he wasn't actually... You don't just leave your book full of shit that's, like, secrets about the crazy guy you're hanging out with? Yeah, did you say she trusted him? It seemed like she trusted him not to read through it. After she grabbed his phone and read his text. She'd been writing notes about how he's a psycho all fucking night. <laughs> I would not well, leave it something... <laughs> actually, the notes, I think, were specifically about how pathetic he is. Fragile Freddy. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> what? It's true. I don't, I don't think... I love that, like... It's not any better. It's probably worse than yeah. writing that he's a psycho. No, yeah. No, I just mean, like, if she was writing this guy's a psycho, maybe she probably wouldn't have stuck around and hung out with him. Right. She's like, a horror writer. Obviously, she's not writing about him because he's pathetic, but because he's potentially dangerous. <laughs> well, but also, even in horror books, you have to build all kinds of characters. Like, this is a character she's building based on this guy she's observing in real life who's like, a fucking loser incel. Asshole. Manipulative piece of shit. Monster. Yeah. So, so she's basically like, okay, it's four in the morning. I'm pizzaed up. I'm coked up. I'm storied out. Like, I'm ready to get the fuck out of here. 
And he holds up her book, and he's like, oh, well, what about all this shit that you've been talking in your well, book? He just says, let's tell another story, and like he says some stuff that seems like he's not going to go into this. And as he keeps talking, and like very quickly it becomes apparent that he is talking about the two of them, and she's like, okay, this isn't funny anymore. Like, Just give me my book. Like, They go back and forth on this, and like he is finally just like, here's an idea. You hide, and if I can't find you, you get your book back. But I'm going to chase you with a fire poker, and if I catch you, and then he just shrugs and then he just starts yelling at her like to run and like goes after her because he's a loser he immediately trips and like she's she's able to hide and he's just like all right i can't find you you can come out now uh i definitely won't kill you with this fire poker she comes out and then he like chases her again and both of them fall down these stairs and there's initially like groaning like painting back and forth and you're like you don't you know they're hurt but you don't know what's happened and like pans over to her she's fine and crying and fred has impaled himself with the fire poker like on the steps and the first thing he says is just like i look what you made me do i was just joking which is just like abuser bullshit do you think that he would have killed her yes do you guys think he would have killed her he had a fire poker i don't feel like he had the spine I don't he, think he had the spine. I don't think he did. I don't think he had the spine either. I think that's, but that is exactly the problem. It's like he is chasing her with a fucking fire poker, and even we doubt if he's actually going to do it or not because of the amount of fucking manipulation he's perpetrating. Right, right. right. Like we still aren't sure, and it's like that unsureness is worse than if we knew for sure he was a murderer or not. If anyone attacks you with any kind of weapon, you fucking kill them. <laughs> Well, she specifically threatens to kill him when they're having their argument. She yeah, goes, I'm... now give me back my fucking book or I'm going to fucking kill you. And she had the chance to. Like, he wanted her to. She picked up a log but then didn't go through with it. Yeah. But she's not a fucking murderer. Right. Yeah, instead of just being like, call 911 or something like that, he's just like, I just want you to finish me off. Just like, get a log and just bash my head in. What a and, weird thing to say. I know. Like, just like, finish me off. But anyway. What's weird about it? She's kind of a murderer because she could have called 911. And she didn't. Maybe her phone line's still out. <laughs> I wouldn't say she's a murderer. Accessory to death? What is that? When you don't help somebody that you know that you could help that dies. I don't know. It's the Good Samaritan Law from the last episode of Seinfeld. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she's in the snare with this guy just, like, trying to chase her and might actually have killed her. And she's, like, crazy, like, upset and traumatized, like... I don't begrudge her for just leaving. No, I don't either. I'm just simply saying that, like, I'm just wondering if there's a law on that. Like, I don't think there is. Yeah, fuck the law. Yeah, fuck it. I'm sure there's some kind of law. There but... is a, there is a law for this, Stephen, but it's it's one of those laws, like, filing a false police report, or it's like, it's impossible to prove you did this. Nobody's going to bother trying to. Burn the place. <laughs> Just get rid of all the evidence. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Because it's not like all the evidence is gone. She fucking negligently has, left behind her book of ideas, which is has her written all over it. He has an actual fire going in the fireplace. Place is burned down. It happens. Yeah. <laughs> I really like the way D-Hart thinks sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> I like the way he thinks all the time. Yeah. Well, sometimes. <laughs> I like well, dot, dot, dot. So anyways, the Uber driver comes back, and she walks straight into the cabin, which, by the way, we didn't mention earlier, but also the pizza guy walks straight into the cabin. Yeah, Holding like, the pizza 
Like it was like a, a briefcase. Yeah, exactly. It's, fucking idiot. That pizza would have been fucking ruined, even though they have a scene of them eating it and it looks fine. Nope. Bullshit. No fucking way. Total bullshit. That must be like industrial grade adhesive cheese if all, everything is still just latched onto that bread. And cheese. Y'all have never eaten counter pizza before? <laughs> like, it would have to have been old as fuck for it to still be whole whenever, if caring like that. I've eaten counter pizza the next day. I'm well, still so, alive. Well, we're talk, talking about with uh, Carlo bringing the pizza in. No, we're not talking about counter pizza. Bettina, That's some bullshit. I would have made him fucking go get another pizza immediately. Yeah. Bettina, or whatever her name is, <laughs> e- eating counter pizza leftover. Yes, I've eaten I counter pizza. I would have turned into Karen so fucking quick. That's yep. not Karen. That's just a dissatisfied customer who was who purchased a service that was not executed. Oh, it was executed. Yeah, fucking killed it. <laughs> Destroyed that pizza. It's like slice. The driver, Bettina, she comes in. She's just like, you know, I don't remember his name is. So just, you know, Fred, he doesn't answer. She sees the notebook that got left behind by Fanny and like doesn't see his body like on the stairs. And she, she like opens up and she goes, huh. And then credits roll. They roll for a few seconds. And then it, it cuts. Oh, and stick around after it cuts thing. to another scene. Motherfucker. Yeah, it well, it cuts to another scene, like a very brief scene, where it shows the outside of a shop, and it's just like, you know, the new upcoming horror writer, uh, Bettina, whatever her last name is, and she has a book that's like, scary stories, uh, stories of grandpa's werewolves and other things. So like, she took the notebook and became an actual writer with the notes. Which is, again, a joke, because if you could just have some ideas and then just steal them and write a whole book, that's not how it works. Which is established in this fucking movie. Yeah, she took the book, she got, got some of the ideas, and she she did the work and made something. She she ghost-writed it. Yeah. She says she was a writer earlier in the movie. Yeah. I guarantee you, Fred that had that book, he couldn't do fucking anything. Right. Because exactly. he's a loser. All right, Cheats. Start us off, Cheats, since they're your movies. Finish us off, Cheats. <laughs> Scare Package. I'm going to give a... F- I'm going to give a fair amount to Scare Package. I think the first couple skits... And then the last bit with the lab are the better parts of the movie. And then aside from the part where they couldn't kill the slasher, the other ones are just kind of, eh. Like, this is an okay watch. Some people are going to like it more. You know, it's alright. It's fair. Man, scare me. I think I want to give it supreme diggity, if I'm being honest. Jesus Christ! <laughs> I, that, I'm trying to decide between that and overwhelming surplus. I liked it just, a lot. Just decide, man. Just I'm, gonna go give it, I'm gonna give it supreme, okay. because because you guys are doubting me. Um, <laughs> I, I liked it a lot, lot. I didn't really know what I was into this movie was gonna get, and I came out of it liking it a lot, and I'm gonna recommend it for other people that ask. I think it's worth a, a, a watch. I would also say that both these movies are hot diggity as well. Yeah, because they're new. Yeah, they're extremely piping hot diggity. Unlike that pizza. Okay, in contrast to cheats, I'm going slight amount for scare package and a fair amount for scare me. It's a clever concept that uh, has absolutely no rewatch value. <laughs> yeah, it's the comedy. It's just talking. It's, it's you, a comedy watch, version of My Dinner with Andre. I, could have easily been a podcast. Yeah, could have been. <laughs> it could have easily been a podcast. I, I it's sound effects gauge, and dialogue. I didn't need to gauge my eyes for a, <laughs> to enjoy the movie. Yeah. It was okay. Yep. Had some funny parts. I really like uh, Pizza Guy, yep. Carlo. like him a lot. I'm going to do a similar thing, but I'm going to move it up one notch. I'm going to give just enough for... Scare me and a fair amount for, for scare package. And I think, 
really, like, for a movie that's been put out by Shudder and amongst 50 other fucking movies, which are of some of them as good or better value, like, like quality, it's fucking worth a watch. It's an hour and a, it's an hour and 40 minutes or something like that a piece, I think. God, too long. It's a surprising amount. Weirdly long. People talking. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, I thought Scare Me was extremely unique and had value, but again, like the Heart said, it doesn't have a lot of I replay mean, it, value. Worth I, for I, sure watching once, I'd be willing to move it up one notch if it were 20 minutes shorter. Yeah, I think it could. I think there were some cuts that could have been made, too. Like the troll story, don't give a shit about it. <laughs> I don't know. There was a couple moments in the troll story that the that Fred, like, his performance was funny. Like, the story was stupid as all fuck, but, like, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think I think there's something in here. Yeah, it's... Um, it's it isn't perfect. It's a little too clever for its own good. <laughs> Fair enough. Esteban? I'm going to give just enough diggity for Scare Me. The uniqueness was good. All the technical aspects of it were really good. I didn't have any problems with it, uh, aside from... Like, I wish they would have used more visual effects mm-hmm. for their stories. I think that would have made the uniqueness even better. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if he's telling the troll story and when he comes out of the hallway, you see, like, red eyes and, like, a troll or something. You know what I mean? Or, yeah. And they could have cut between that and, like, like they do. They cut between, like, the visual effects that they use that aren't really there, that they're both imagining, and and reality yeah. all throughout this entire storytelling process. So they could have done that still and just pushed it further. Whether or not they push it further towards actually being supernatural is, I mean, I think it could have. That would have been, that would have taken the story in a different direction pretty much entirely. But I don't even need that. But like in the first story with the werewolf, when you see the werewolf hand come out and like claw the side or whatever, mm. like give me that in every story. More of it. You know, yeah. give me, give me a little bit in every story. So it gets just enough. I agree with D-Hard. I think the rewatch value is pretty low, but I won't know unless I rewatch it. I gotta go maybe slight rise with Scare Package, like solid three out of seven. <laughs> you know? <laughs> not, not a five out of seven at all. You know, well, I'm just talking about the stories in general, you know what I mean? Like There was that many that were worth a shit. Yeah, you know, I like the Were Goop one, and I like the slasher one and then i like the ending the great part about anthologies is that if you're watching it and you get sick of it you've seen whole stories so you can just turn it the fuck off (laughs) you can just be like well i've seen enough of this boop so i might recommend you do that (laughs) (laughs) be choosy what you waste your time on but i also agree with philip that like i would watch both of these movies like for a first time i would recommend them you know just for fun they're good popcorn movies i think they're fun and just to clarify, I mean, I gave it the lowest score, but I thought, you know, Scare Me was fine. It was a, it was a decent watch. Yeah, Fair yeah. amount for me is Middle of the Road. It's a, yeah. a watchable movie. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think we all pretty much in agreement on it. It's like, it's, it's cheap. It costs basically nothing because Shutter costs basically nothing. It's like, what is it, like $4 and some change? Congratulations, Cheats. You gave us some watchable movies, which I promise you, if I have my way... Mine will not be. Yeah. <laughs> I, I gave you all watchable movies, and I rated one of them a lot higher than you guys did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Stephen was texting me debating whether or not he should have us do one good movie and one shitty movie, or just two shitty movies. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't respond because I didn't know what to say. Like, if I tell him, no, put a good one in there, he could put a shitty one out of spite. <laughs> you made the right choice, Philip. Just simply don't reply. <laughs> <laughs> do nothing <laughs> exactly 
You'd be surprised how often that's exactly the correct choice. Do nothing. I have no listener feedback this week. I'm surprised. Not even something from Joel like comment on the fact that... I feel like it's coming. Yeah. I feel like there's a storm of brew in there. Yeah. Uh, the commenting on the fact that you told him to fuck himself or whatever the hell you said last week. Uh, I think the week before that, I said he could go fuck himself. Last week, you said we could, ki- you should kill him. Yeah, yeah. that's what it was. My, my response you said you should actually murder him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. If you want to tell your friends about us, they can find us on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, TuneIn, pretty much any other major podcast platforms out there. Uh, if you want to hit us up with some feedback, find us on Facebook or Instagram at Motion Picture Meltdown, or on Twitter at MPM Podcasts. You can check out some other podcasts from United Cipher. Currently, we've got the Curly Mustache Podcast and the Edge of the World Broadcast. You can also go back and listen to older episodes of Music Video Countdown, Talks Over Games, Fallout Forecast, and the Anime Alphabet. Lastly, check out some podcasts from friends of ours like Nerdonomy, The Whiskey Reel, Sorry to Waste Your Time, and Code Yellow, A Scare Actors Podcast. Uh, I've been one of your hosts, Stephen Ross Rosenberg. Bill, the treadmill calling. Cheats the streets, McGee. Ending our- I fucking forgot about treadmill. <laughs> Thank you. We'll see you next time.